Well, hello and welcome to the Fremont Podcast, our very first video <laughs> podcast. This is incredible. We are on the tour bus. Do you have a name for the bus? Big Smo. Big this is the Big Smo. I didn't want to. I didn't know if you wanted to use the name. Interesting name. We don't have time now. But there's there's a story behind it. It's a long story. That's it. So we're on the Big Schmo bus doing our first video podcast all together. And we have a wonderful special guest, Medine Keener. Hi. Yes, and we're going to talk to her in a moment. But since it's our first video podcast, we do want to mention Impact 360, uh, one of our faithful sponsors. We so appreciate them. Again, they have the online lesson resources that we always encourage you to check out. Mm. And they have their camps, uh, Propel. And they have a two-week camp immersion. And so we encourage you to check it out, impact360.org. And you can use the promo code FREEMIND for $25 off when you do one of those online courses. That's right. So let's jump in. Brother Steven, you're looking thing. quite uh, dapper today. Dude, to well, the, you know, I, I got like, this thing at Target, bro. I, I feel, feel, I feel <laughs> that flow. I feel that Target flow. So, um, But, man, we are, yeah. like like Steven said, we're so happy to have you in today, Medina. So just a little bit of background before we jump in. Yeah. I, uh, I was... So I come from a highly uh, charismatic background. We've talked about that before. But uh, God, I, w- I went through a journey of like really almost losing my faith, but God sent the right people at the right time. And I was able to kind of wrestle through some things, and he helped me have a better understanding of a, of a biblical worldview and apologetics and all that stuff. So in that journey, uh, he even brought me back to some of the things I walked. I was like, uh, charismatic movement. I can't. It's just too much of this stuff. Right. I right. ventured away from that world. But through a couple ministries, God began to open my mind back up to you, the fact that, you know what? There are some extremes. There are some abuses. But there is there's a reality there that's biblical and yeah. that it's very, it's very real. And one of the books that he helped me rediscover that was actually through your husband's work, Craig Keener. Oh, wow. And um, he, I just, I can't remember how I discovered his his work, but the first book I read by him was his two volume books on miracles. I meant to bring that, but the bus couldn't carry it. We were, <laughs> we, we, had, we had a, we had a weight heavy. limit, and so the, those each of those books are like this heavy. Big. Yeah, man. And, yeah. But they're they these books are intense, man. But they yeah. they chronicle all these stories, modern stories and stories throughout church history of miracles, bona fide, verified yeah. miracles. He, right. he even weeded out the stuff that could possibly be explained psychosomatically. And he only kept the stuff that was like, this is solid, right. Uh, right. verified, even in many cases, medically uh, through doctor reports and stuff mm. like that. Other, yeah. pe- other times it was testimonials through mm. two or three or more witnesses that were reliable and known to be reliable. So yeah. anyways, yeah. those books were instrumental. And then I picked up his Acts commentaries, and I used those to teach at our young adult ministries as part of the commentary uh, series. And those, again, I couldn't bring those on the on the bus. Same <laughs> reason. <laughs> but uh, but as I was following him, I came to know uh, that he was married to Medine. Now, at first, so so Craig is. He's a white dude, like like whiter than me. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. And, so, and he's, I mean, one like he's a scholar, scholar. You know, yeah. his footnotes are longer than most most people's books, and it just he talks real quiet. So so he, he started talking about his wife in the Congo, and I was like, Congo? Is there white folks in the Congo? <laughs> and um, and then all of a sudden, like he, I think he put up a picture of you on one of his and i was like oh snap this dude like he's okay okay i see what's going on here right. I, I did not expect that uh and then i started hearing about y'all's story and i was like wow and yeah. then we came across this book and we're going to talk about this book today it's called impossible love and uh if if you get the chance to read this i would 
highly recommend putting it on your top three to read in the next two months because this book has already uh, transformed it's our lives. Us. It's ruined us. It's ruined us. It's and a great read and it's power packed. It's written so fluently and you, yeah. you're in the moment. You can so visualize all the stories and, and all of the chapters. It's powerful. Stuff. There's like this back and forth where Craig's starting out with his yeah, story and then and it jumps to Medine. Yeah. Goes back and forth, and, and so it's like wild. a page. You don't want to stop reading it. No. You just want to turn pages. Sure. But more than that, it's like you see the works of God yes. in their lives. You see, you you see those miracles that can't be explained any other way, but that it's the work of God. But you also see it in the midst of intense sure. suffering and yeah. challenges and trials, and it's like this interactive thing where it's so real. Because you would think, man, if God did a miracle in that one section, just keep, man, keep it going. <laughs> but He would <laughs> sure. let you guys get to the end of your rope and. and and just jump in. Yeah. So we don't want to tell too much of the story, but I kind of want to jump into this book a little bit, just the, the flow of it. I'm thinking the best place to start um, might just be, how did you and Craig meet? And how did, <laughs> yeah, let's just start there. How did you and Craig meet? <laughs> okay, so I came to the U.S. as an exchange student. Uh, I came from Congo to France, and I got a scholarship. I was studying African-American history. Oh, wow. And so I got the scholarship to come to the U.S., to Duke University, and uh, do some research for my Ph.D. And I went to um, InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. There was a meeting, and the first meeting, there was this guy who was speaking on this. Uh, he was speaking on the gift of tongues. Hmm. And... I mean, I was really kind. If Craig was here, he would say, wow, she pushed me, but I didn't. I was like, <laughs> yeah, he did say that before. He said, sure, I came for it. I was just, you know, very kindly saying not everyone will speak in tongues. But anyway, that was our first meeting. And from there, <laughs> he wanted to make peace. He gave me a... Uh, a free South Africa t-shirt. Oh, I really, I was like, yeah, this guy is nice. <laughs> <laughs> but then we became friends and mm. we corresponded for a long time. Yeah, yeah I love that too. The, the, in, in the book, he said, you know, he was so he was so impacted by that disagreement. And when he gave you the t-shirt, you're like, what are you talking about? Like, I didn't even see any disagreement. I was, just, I just sure, looked my just, mind and yeah. that was it. So, <laughs> you know, sometimes it, it made me think of cultures too. Like yes. some people, some cultures and then the individuals as well. Like yes. they're like, uh, I don't, I don't mind disagreeing. Like yeah. I, I go at it and other people, I'm more of an, I like to avoid confrontation. So one question I had in that, this is kind of jumping to the side, but uh -huh. in y'all's marriage, has that continued? Like, does, is he the non-confrontational, like, doesn't want to get into stuff and you're like, you push in or yeah, how does that work? Yeah, worked? kind of. Craig is very, he's so sweet. Oh, uh, <laughs> he's wonderful. really kind. But um, we've had confrontation. I think a lot of it was just part of being from two different worlds. Oh, yeah. uh, like when we got married, I came to the U.S., I mean... This was a different, huge, very different world for me. And mm. not only I came from war, but I came from a small country. Mm -hmm. And I didn't understand the culture. Like Craig will say to me, I love you. I say, oh, thank you. That's how we respond ah. back home, right? Wow. And, uh, and he's he brokenhearted. And you're like, oh, what, I'm like, what is wrong with this guy? I mean, he went like that for maybe a year or, or more. And every time he will be so sad. And I didn't understand. I said, Lord, I really don't understand my husband. I, I don't know what's going on. And then we got a friend who came 
to have uh, dinner with us. She was married to a white South African. Okay. Oh, okay. And yeah. so she was telling her story. She said, Craig, it was this incredible misunderstanding when we got married. Every time my husband would say, every time I said to my husband, I love you, he would say, thank you. <laughs> so Craig and I, we yeah. just burst out laughing. And so she had to teach her husband to say, I love you too. And uh, I had to learn to say to Craig, I love you too. That's great. That's <laughs> awesome. But yeah, we had, we had a few things like that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I was impacted by the faith and all the prayers of your family through all the trials. Yeah. Were you um, obviously raised in a Christian home? Yes, I was. And your dad, was he like the leader and, and got, was he instrumental in getting you to know Jesus or what was that relationship like? Yes, um, I was really blessed to be born in a, in a home where my father came to the Lord. My father and my mother, they came from pagan backgrounds they didn't know the lord but okay. because of the missionaries and you know the people who became christian they heard about jesus wow. my dad became a christian and then um my mom i think she committed her life after they married they didn't know each other when they married and that's ah. how it was my my dad's brother went to the village and it was a missionary kind of school and said, oh, this girl is really nice for my brother. And uh, so <laughs> I am wow. serious. Oh, wow. <laughs> but I was born in a Christian home. My father okay. was open-minded. I think knowing Jesus changed him. And mm. so we didn't, we didn't have the luxury of having a library where you can go or things like that. But my father had a few books. And one of those books was the biography of Hudson Taylor missionary mm. in uh in yeah. china and and charles Studd, who was you know who would just pray um so i read those books i was impacted but i was also very much impacted by my parents faith mm. i remember i didn't want to become a christian because i could just depend on their faith Ooh, and amazing. i mean being sick he prayed for me i was healed wow. and for a long time that was my faith I rested on their faith. And when I was 15, I realized that I needed to make a commitment for myself. Amazing. Mm. So that's how I became a Christian. Yeah, that is amazing. Wow. Yeah. Papa Jacques, right? Is yeah, that, Papa is Jacques. Say it right? <laughs> Papa Jacques. Papa Jacques. That's French. That really is amazing. How did, who did he train under to pray so powerfully? Like, do you know how he became so powerful in faith and prayer and... Okay, so when my father was, he was in a village, uh, it was called Amon. Mm. There was a missionary, Jacques Vernot. Okay. Uh, he was from Switzerland, I think. He came to our Congo as a missionary. He got to know my father. Both of them had the first, the, the same first name, Jacques. Okay. They became friends. And Jacques Vernot was a really committed man of God. Mm. And he saw my father. He said, Jacques, I feel like God wants me to pray over you so you will receive the gift of healing. Mm. And he mm. prayed over my father. And from then on, my father, I mean, he will pray for people and just trust. Mm. And the Lord healed people through his prayers, through wow. his touch. Um, that's the story that he told us. But I think also just by his own life, he developed this trust 
like a childlike trust in the Lord. Mm-hmm. And it just, yeah, it changed his life. But one of the, powerful. yeah, that is powerful. One of the interesting stories that Craig often tells and that's in his Miracles book was about your sister. Oh, yes. And when she was bit, bitten by the snake. Yes. Can you recount that story for us? Sure. It might not be like Craig because Craig, is, his mind is very, uh, I told him the story, but he had to go and interview my mom. He, didn't, he was like, I know. He didn't trust me. He was that first. Anyway. Like Luke. He's like Luke. He said, I compiled a testimony. More evidence. Right. That's great. But That's okay. um, my parents lived in, a, my, my dad worked on the railroad company, mm. so they moved a lot. They moved to this place, uh, Deshavan, I think it was called, and they had Therese. And Therese was maybe a toddler, maybe three years old, I don't remember, but anyway, she was a child. Mm. My mom left her, was doing something outside, and the child cried out, and when she came, there was a snake, and the child was not breathing. Oh my goodness. So, she picked up her child, put her child in her back, and started to run to the man of God, the evangelist. Mm. Uh, Koko Moise, Koko means grandfather, mm. was like my dad's mentor, also okay. spiritual mentor. He was like a grandfather. Uh, I welcomed them in that village because they came from a different tribe. And so she ran there. It was not close by. It was um, like the other village. Like and the three-hour journey or something? Something like that, that, yes. Yeah. Oh and by the time she got there, well... Therese was almost cold. And so Coco Moise prayed over Therese and she woke up. Mm. Oh my. And my my mom came back with a child who was alive. And today Therese is um, a pastor. Yeah. In the church, in the evangelical church of Really? Yes. Amazing. (laughs) That's crazy, right? (laughs) Three hours not breathing. What do they say? How many minutes for you to have irreparable right. damage? Yeah, brain damage. 30 like, to 40 or something. I think it's yeah. less than that. I thought it was yeah. even less, so, than yeah. less than that. Yeah, she doesn't have that. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> Is that amazing? She got a master's and yes. Can I jump the gun real quick and, yeah. and ask, do you think that America, is there a reason why we don't see those kinds of things as much in America that you can perceive? That's very interesting that you asked the question because last week um, I was, we have something that's called Friendship International. It's women sharing Christ with women in the Lexington area through friendship. So we have about 250 women from all over the world who come and we have different groups like um, exercises, knitting and so on. We have a Bible study. Okay. And okay. so I am part of those who help with the Bible study. One of the ladies, she asked me, she said, well, why don't we see miracles here uh, mm. in America? Mm. I think we do see miracles in America. And I, I believe that the gift of medical science is mm. a miracle. Mm. We don't have that in Congo. Why? When someone is sick, I mean, it's like, desperate faith where you need the Lord to move and intervene. But here, if I am sick, I go to the doctor. And I, I thank God for doctors. Hmm. And I think they are a miracle there. But God also is free to move uh, just without using a doctor. Now, one thing I asked her also was, I said, do you believe you have God's authority to pray over someone? She said, no. Hmm. Uh, hmm. So, Maybe we don't see because we don't 
pray? I don't know. Yeah. Sometimes it can be kind of crazy. You feel like, what? Am I supposed to pray with this person? What are they going to do? Yeah. And so on. But, well, we pray. If it doesn't happen, so what? But <laughs> if it happens, then let's not the miss the opportunity. Mm. Wow. <laughs> that That's was one of the things that moved me so much in the book is how often... They prayed over every situation. Yeah. <laughs> and it was not even just, you know, it was a part of their life. Like, let's pray. Let's pause and pray. Hmm. We're in trouble. Let's pray. We've made it. Let's pray. Let's thank God. And I was just so reminded that through this, I was reminded that God wants to be a part of our day-to-day -day lives. Every yes. process, the tough, the easy, the desperate. Yeah. Hmm. And yes. I was convicted about my prayer life. Like, wow, God, he's waiting Yes. Wanting to, to, to show himself strong and possibly perform a miracle. But we, we go through the motions of being frustrated first. So we react first and like, wait mm. a minute, let's just, let's right. just pray. I wow. was so blessed by that. Mm. Yeah. So blessed. For sure. I mean, we, I try <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to, uh, to bring God in everything. I mean, I remember um, I really love the dirt, the soil, the garden, and so on. And mm. every day when my mom and I will go to the what we call plantations, the first thing is to pray. Mm. Pray that God will bless the, the, the soil and the land and bless the food. Now here, I have a garden in my backyard. Mm. And sometimes I sit there, I'm like, wow, Lord, I didn't pray today. Now, mm. let's rewind. <laughs> Thank you for the food here. I hope yes. it's going to bless someone. Sure. I mean, you know, because sure. sometimes it's so easy to forget. Sure. But just inviting mm. God in, in the, the, the small and the big moments mm. of our lives. So good. That's wow. what I'm, I try to do. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's good. Is it true you grew up or spent a part of your life where there was war in your country and yeah. that was part of what was going on? And so did you see God moving in some of those situations too? Maybe a, a story that you can recall from where prayer really intervened, where God intervened sure. because of the prayer. Um, let me say that growing up, I mean, we had our insecurities and so on. We didn't have like the civil war that we had when I was, um, I was a student. So um, I grew up in a wonderful, wonderful country. Congo was rich. Uh, it was mm. free. I mean, we could... The, it was it's green the people were happy and so on i still remember seeing when i came back as a, uh, i finished my studies came back to congo i will see um ethiopian refugees uh begging on the street and i used to say wow that's so sad hmm. and i would try to make my mind think okay how can i help hmm no, I'm not going to give them money because that man is going to get the money. I'll take the kids and buy food for them and so on and thinking, oh, this will never happen to us. And then, hmm. I don't know, many years down the road, I became a war refugee. Mm. Wow. The image came to my mind. I was like, Jesus, here I was on my superior horse thinking this will never happen to me. Mm. I am a refugee. Wow. I'm begging for water. I'm begging for food. I'm like those people I used to have pity on. And it just switched. Now, uh, a story about things that happened. I remember being in a village. We didn't have a lot of food. So if people did not take us to their plantations, well, that was hard. So on our ways, God put angels, really to help us and say, oh, you can come to my plantation and get some food. And 
devils, people who are bad. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I shouldn't call them devils, uh, right? Right. Under the influence, maybe. They were yeah. so mean. I remember. Mm. I remember my father was um, handicapped. He couldn't walk, and we were just trying to get a place asking someone for a place for him to go relieve himself and, and take a, to be bathed. Just a place that's closed. And the man is like, no, 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 no. Mm. <laughs> I I'm not going to tell you what I thought. Sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and when I heard that war came to that same village, uh, I'm not going to tell yeah, you what yeah, I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. I'm just ashamed. I, I thought that, Lord. Yeah, sure. Anyway, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> going through these places, we came to a place where there was a woman mm. And I don't know if she was a Christian, but because we didn't have food, we will go through the day and it was hard. And before we ate, mm. we will pray. And people started to join our prayer time. Mm. And there was a woman who came. She had a child who was really crying, who was sick. We didn't know what was wrong with the child. So we had a pastor in our midst and he prayed over the child and we all prayed over that child. And the next day the woman came. The child was fine, mm. and the child was playing, and so on. Mm. And it's it just one of, I mean, it showed us, again, God's grace. Some people were sick and for a long time. Yeah. My own son was very sick mm. Um, mm. for a while. But I guess for this lady, sometimes God performs miracles so that the gospel will reach someone. And right. for that lady, mm. I think that was very important for her. You have seen tremendous tragedy and suffering. Mm -hmm. And for people in America, even for people doubting Christianity, one of their biggest struggles is how can God exist and so much suffering exist? Even though they probably haven't experienced anything, anything close <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> to what you have seen. And so how, how would you respond to that question of how can a good God exist and there be so much suffering in the world from the perspective that you have. And also, and even as yeah. you answer that, I'd like to say, could you, could you tell maybe one or two of the stories of what you were experienced during that time and then kind of like say, what did you learn about God? Because obviously you saw those miracles mm -hmm. right? and you saw God act, but there, but a, from reading this, I would imagine there were times when you thought, man, God, you should be stepping in here and mm -hmm. you're not. And this is the, mm -hmm. uh, or maybe you didn't feel like that. Oh, yes, I did. Can okay. you tell, okay. us, tell us some of those stories and, and how do you deal with that, knowing that he can and does, but yes. doesn't in some yeah. situations? Wow. Uh, wow. Well, first of all, let me say God is good. Mm. That I will not doubt it. But I did doubt. Yeah. <laughs> Looking yeah. back, I did doubt a lot. Um, how can we have a good God and have all the sufferings? Okay, I'll, I'm going to take the uh, example of Congo. God did not cause war to come to Congo. Right. No, we had a president who was greedy and who brought war. We had people who were corrupted and who brought war in Congo. Mm. God didn't come and say, okay, you uh, now bring war because I want to. Mm. Some of the things that we suffer are uh, consequences of what other people put on us. Right. Uh, they are not that God allows it. It's, the, it's sin. It's the consequences of who we are as human beings without God, I think. And some things we don't understand, like catastrophes, like natural catastrophes. Sure. Yeah. I... I don't know. Sure. But I know that in the midst of all of that, God is good. 
um, the image I have in my mind is like when I go to Centennial Park to walk, it's still almost like dark. And I see the, the clouds, but I know there is the sun behind the clouds. Mm. And it's so beautiful when you see the mm. sun just piercing the clouds and coming in. Mm. Sometimes in our lives, we have a period where it's like cloudy. Mm. It's like, oh, but God is still Wow. there and he's still watching over us and he's still taking care of us wow um i remember during war there was one day that was a defining moment for me i i went into a depression kind of when war started and most of us i mean we were sick we i, mean, I like walking but no not walking like during war miles and miles and miles with your feet oozing blood and so on. So wow. I was really, really sad. Now, because I had gone to different places to take care of my family, try to look for food and water, I knew the way. So we decided to move from what I call in my journal, the wicked village <laughs> to the good village because people were mean to uh, refugees. And so a few people joined us. I had, I was leading about 19 people that day. My brother also knew the way, but because my father was disabled and he needed to push him on a wheelbarrow, they took the main road, which was more dangerous because soldiers' cars were going back and forth. As I was leading my group, we were going, uh, following the railroad tracks. I started to wonder, I was like, why? You know, people say, why? Uh, you ask why. Yeah, sure. I ask the why question so many times. I say, why, God? Why am I experiencing all of these things? I mean, look at these people, God. They didn't do anything. And we are the one having, you know, to run for our lives and being hungry and sick. And we don't know if we're going to die. And also, I was abandoned. I was married back then. Not Craig. <laughs> and I was abandoned and I was like mm. why here I was in the situation the culture like Congo in my country where you know sexual purity is not really taught out loud and I was trying my best to follow the Lord and mm. saved myself for marriage and I was like why did you do that I mm. don't understand here I, I, I was just having a a pity party, sure, sure. just crying. And I was crying, sobbing. I knew the road, so I was the one ahead, going ahead. And then I will get to a place where I'll say, okay, there is a tree here, we can stop. I will take my child and put him there and then go back, carry my mom's luggage or whatever other lady was coming until we continue. So as I was crying and going and the children saying, are we there yet? I'm like, shut up, don't talk. <laughs> but I was just they like, say that in Congo too? Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to say it in Congo. Universal. Yeah, it is universal. <laughs> and I was like, okay. I was just in me, really focused and sad and crying. And as I was going through that, I heard like um, a humming, a noise. I was like, wow. That's weird. Now it stopped me from my pity party. I said, this is, this is just wrong. It is wrong. This is a hard time. We cannot have someone singing or humming in a situation like this. What's wrong with them? <laughs> mm. And, uh, but I was like compelled to listen more. And I listened and say, oh, this is a song we sing at the church. 
the person is singing it completely wrong. I knew the words. And mm. then I realized it was my son, my toddler in my back, and he was dancing. It was very hot. I was sweating. He was sweating. He was having fun. Mm. Wow. Good child. And then I thought about the song, and the song said, we will overcome. With God's grace, we will overcome. And then I started to think. I was like, it's true. I said, Medin, we have, we have eternal hope. Mm. This life is not the only life we have. If I die or my father dies because I don't know what's going on there or, you know, my son dies, we have, we're going to get reunited again in heaven. Mm. God is going to take care of us. And so it changed me. It, it became like this memory place. I come back uh, from time to time in my life to know God was there. For me, it was a God moment saying, you're going through hardship. I walked through hardship. Oh boy. You're not alone. I'm walking with you and I will see you through. Whether it's by death or by life, I will see you through. So mm-hmm. that is something that wow. really, really blessed me. And there was there was death all around. In the book, oh, yeah. I, I was, I mean, literally, you know, you'd walk up to the soldiers have, trying to travel through. And if you didn't say the password or yeah. know the right language, they would just shoot you. Yeah. Like, oh, and my. life was cheap like that, right? Life well, was, I mean, people, yes. you had a friend that went to get y'all some food and he didn't come back. They, somebody found him. He was shot. Yes. With the, the food was yes. spilled out in front yes. of him on the street. And, oh, and it was like, yeah. I mean, it, I can't imagine the sleepless nights for months, right? Because gun shooting at night. Exactly. Um, exactly. Exactly. And people, I mean, people will come. Um, I remember Emmanuel, that's my brother, and I, we said, okay, if we go look for food, we go together. Women were raped, men were killed. So that was it. So he's wow. like, I'll protect you. He didn't even have a gun. <laughs> I don't know how I really thought I could protect Emmanuel. <laughs> that yeah, was yeah, really, yeah. really strange. Really we laugh about it. But anyway, we went together. We will go places together. And then one day, we came and we came to a soldier's barricade. Hmm. And there was a soldier who was drunk or high on drugs. And he had his gun pointed at Emmanuel. And he said, you, uh, you are a spy. And he called him, your name is Guy Lodang. Guy is somebody's name. Lodang is the crazy. Guy mm-hmm. the crazy. Emmanuel tried to explain he was not crazy. And I could not save Emmanuel. Oh. That was one of the most terrible time of my life because the, the head of the soldiers was there. He was just looking. Mm. I mean, wow. that guy, it just needed for his hands to tremble for Emmanuel's life to end. I, I didn't know how to say it. I think I just said Jesus. Um, sometimes you don't have the words, all these nice explanations to Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, how I want you to come yeah. right now and save my <laughs> brother. No, it was just Jesus mm. and just Jesus. That was it. And then the midwife was passing by. Soldiers like midwives because they have girlfriends. The girlfriends get pregnant. The midwife helped. The midwife is a very important person. Huh. The midwife helped me to give birth to David. I was mm. like, you know me, you know Emmanuel, you know she's not, uh, he's not a spy. And she came to the, the, head, the, the, the head of the story. He's, she's like, what are you doing? This is Emmanuel. He's not crazy. Let him go. And mm. the guy came and said, let him go. Wow. But I realized that I couldn't save Emmanuel. We, it's only God's grace. Wow. I could have lost my brother there. And God just came through. Wow. 
That was yeah, that was compelling because you had malaria while you were there. I had malaria. I had carrying yeah malaria. Malaria kills you. I had malaria. I remember, even I I started to hallucinate Mm. because there was no medication, Um, and then somebody who was in another place had a dream. The Lord is like, wake up, pray for Medine. She is the daughter of Jacques, and he just woke up and prayed for me, and then he trekked and came to the place where we were. Before he got there, there was a lady who was a nurse and she had only one shot. (laughs) Usually you're supposed to take three or four, and she gave it to me. And Mm. then with other things, I got well. I mean, God, I mean, David, David, my son, he had, when he was born, he had an eye disease where things were coming, pus were coming out of his eyes. And the pediatrician Mm. say he will be on medication all his life. Mm. And then war came. There was nothing we could do. And for a while, he had those parts. We didn't know what to do. And so we prayed. My sister's like, let's put something there, whatever it is. And we prayed. I didn't even realize. After a few days, I was like, his eyes are cleared. He's Hmm. never had anything. But David had parts from his ears all through war. I thought he will never hear. Hmm. Until we came out of war, the doctor gave him antibiotics and he was healed. Amazing. So you see this too. God sure. healed his eyes instantly, hmm. but his ears, they kept oozing for 18, more than 18 months. Yep. It's missed. Wow. There's a part in the book where I was so moved. You talked about at, at the end of the war, um, you guys kind of make it back to your hometown and yes. you walk up to your home oh, to yeah. find everything in ashes. Yes. You lost everything. It had been burned down, yeah. even uh, important belongings. Yeah. And your dad goes, let's just pray. Let's thank God we're alive. We're here. Yeah. Oh, what a prayer life. Do you remember that moment and I what do. you felt when you walked up to your house? We heard a lot of rumors. People came and say, oh, Papa Jack's house was burnt. And we were like, what? Oh, yes, his house was destroyed and things like that. We heard soldiers from our own place saying, yeah, they, they were there. Apparently, the person who led into the destruction of our belongings and our things was someone from our village. Oh, my and one of my cousins confronted him and said, what were you doing there? Mm. And sadly, he went back, was called back into war, and he died mm. as wow. a, one of the people, the soldiers who died. So we never knew what, what really, really happened. happened. Wow. Okay. But we knew that the house was burned. Mm. And when Emmanuel was the first one to leave the safety of where we were hiding to come through the home, he said he cried. When he came back, he said, Medin, it's bad. Everything is burnt. Mm. Everything. I said, even my guitar. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, your guitar. Probably somebody took it. A lot of our books were sold in the street and things Mm. like that for the people who came. Um, So we started to prepare my dad and my mom about that. We've heard a story of one of my father's friends who came back, saw his house and all his belongings, everything he's worked all his life burnt. And he had a heart attack. We didn't want that. Sure. It's very hard. I mean, these are all their lives worth, all the things that they had. So when we came back, we decided to come back. We came into the view of the house. 
uh, you could see some writings, those who are passed by and say, the Lord is my shepherd. Oh, Lord, how can you leave things like that? And we didn't know how my father will react. Sure. Mm. After all, he was paralyzed. He had a stroke. So we all stood there and we were all, we didn't even realize we were holding our breath. We were looking at him. Mm. And then he said, let us pray. Mm. It's like, what <laughs> in the world? <laughs> he said, Antoinette, Antoinette is his wife. He said, Antoinette, God has protected us, all of us. We are back, all of us. These are just things. So let's pray. Wow. <laughs> that was, that was a, a big encouragement to me. Sure. Yeah, because oh. he's the one who was sick. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, my. That's man. Amazing. So, whew, all right, to circle, to <laughs> circle back. No, that's, that's too heavy. Powerful that's so good. Powerful. To circle back to you and Craig. Yeah. Yeah. One of the interesting things, too, that uh, came out of this was she, people kept giving you these visions and dreams, oh, and y'all yeah. weren't able to get together. Those years, all these circumstances <laughs> in the background were happening that did not. That's I think the book was aptly called Impossible Love. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and um, so... I think a couple of people said they dreamed that you would be with a white man, and there wasn't many white with men a big in ministry. Congo with yeah. a yeah. big ministry. Can you t recount that, and then just tell us when, how did it finally come to pass for you guys to connect? Okay. Uh, first of all, listening to you uh, talking about the book, we have a couple in our church. They decided to read the book together as a couple. And so one Sunday, the husband came to church and said, you guys are really morons. What are you wearing to declare your love yeah, or your, yeah, yeah. to one another? That was so <laughs> <laughs> And then the next week he came to church and said, oh, I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because That's the it. wife is like, you're not going ahead without me yeah. and with the children and so on. Okay. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> we did get a lot of prophecies. One of the prophecies really was during war for me. My father went for prayer and we had a, a pastor. We, that was a time when our lives intersect at one of the villages and his wife was really a prophetess. The Lord will show her things. My father was not feeling well. So he went for prayer for him, not for anyone else. And as he was praying, uh, the lady said, Jack, your daughter is going to marry a white man with a big ministry. We've heard that before. And he was, he was kind of like, Medin, I went for myself, but you came up. <laughs> <laughs> and he gave me the, the prophecy, and I wrote it down. Um, Craig, got, got, Craig had a prophecy where someone said, Craig, you know your wife, and she knows you, but you guys are just being stubborn. Uh, and he's like, what? I don't know, he tries sure. to think. So how did we come together? Um, if Craig was here, he'd say, yes. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> after I went through war, before uh, the war really came, I sent a letter to Craig. I said, uh, the soldiers are closing in. My cousin was just shot, and I don't know if we're going to live or die. So if you get this letter, please pray for us. Oh. And I gave it to someone who was leaving the country by plane because there was no way you can mail it. Okay. And so he went to another country and mailed it to Craig. And so Craig prayed. He prayed for 18 months mm, to, wow. to know what to do. He even told his friend, he said, Emmanuel, who is from Nigeria, Emmanuel Itapson, he's like, maybe we need to go to Congo. And Emmanuel's like, Craig, you do not speak French. And you don't even know where she <laughs> <Right>. is. <laughs> How can right. we go? But after 18 months, I sent another letter 
the crack saying, you know, I'm Medin Musunga, I'm alive. And I was able to get your address. Actually, I told my brother, find the address of the crack, you know, who write yes, books. books. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there are two crack, you know, who write books. Ah. Yeah, one writes about Native Americans. Okay. Oh, so wow. usually my husband say, you could have married the wrong one. <laughs> 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 wow. But anyway, so we reconnected. And when we reconnected, after a while, I got a pile of letters that came to me from Craig because during the 18 months he wrote how much he really he's praying for me he loves me as a sister I was like Lord this sister thing yes. is not right <laughs> I just I, I, I'm just really tired yeah. sister sister you have to do something I like yeah. this guy <laughs> so I told my brother Emmanuel was like my best friend I said Emmanuel I don't know what to do with Greg he's like you guys are playing a game you need to do something Medin why don't you write to him, I said, no, I'm African. How? I cannot write to him and tell him I love him. Say, well, why not? You have a PhD. Put those things aside. <laughs> Ooh. That's funny. And mm. then you mentioned too that your culture, women, never express their feelings. No, like, at least oh, I, I, I don't. At that time, <laughs> yes. When I was growing up, you don't come and say sure, out sure, loud sure. that you like someone. That's great. I love. Uh, that. Actually, one day Craig was talking with one of his friends. Um, Again, he said, how do I know if an African like me, uh, African woman like me? He's like, you don't. <laughs> because, so, so Craig is like, is she going to tell me that she likes me when she likes me? He said, no. So is she going to tell me she doesn't like me when she doesn't like me? No. <laughs> how do you know? In you fact, don't. you say, I love you. She'll say, thank you. <laughs> exactly. It's the mystery of the dance. Wow. So finally, I put my pride aside. I said, okay, Lord. I'm going to send this letter. Mm. Whatever I get, if Craig says, okay, no, it's not going to work, I'm going to disappear. After all, I'm in Congo and I can change place and he's not going to get, you know, know anything about me. And if it's okay, then that would be great. I say, Manuel, pray. So I, <laughs> I went ahead and there were so many dreams. My dad had a dream, like there was an American who came, was looking for Medin and my dad mm. is like, well, Medin was married. He's like, it's okay. I'm not. And my dad is like, what about Therese? He's like, no, I'm looking for Medin. Wow. And, you know, different things sure, like that. Sure. And so I sent that letter, that email, actually. Sure. I learned about email when I came out of war. And in Congo, you have a cyber cafe where so many people are there. You wow. type your email. And then when the response comes, the people who work there, they read your emails before you get there. Wow. Ooh, hey, so. <laughs> wow. Ain't no privacy there, bro. But I texted, wow. I wrote in English. Ah. They did not know English. Well. So he responded. He said, well, let me pray about it and see what, you know, what the Lord what says. I was like, Lord, I put my life out there. Oh, my heart <laughs> bare. Do something. Yeah. And the ladies are like, Oh, you got a you got an email from your I said, Yes, my brother. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my brother. American yes. brother. Like, and so yeah. he went back and forth, he prayed, and then one day he sent me a message, say, Yes, oh, I think man. this is the Lord. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, I, I, I love you and we're gonna get married. And I was so <coughs> happy. The women were like, You got good news. I say, You will not believe it. <laughs> And even and, and the thing was in, in, in Pointe Noire where I was, they did not experience war. 
So they knew people who came from war. We were emaciated oh, and, you know, sick and sad looking, not a lot of good clothes. <laughs> and as I was coming out of the cyber cafe, going through the market, just saying, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. I said, oh, another crazy person <laughs> <laughs> because of war. They wow, didn't know what yeah. was going on. But anyway. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> that is so amazing, man. Wow. Well, you finally get yes. in touch with Craig. You guys get on one accord and you, yes. you go through a lot before you're able to um, make plans to leave home. Was that a difficult decision by that point? You survived the war, you found your husband, and now you're planning to leave all you've ever known. I mean, yes. you've traveled abroad for studies, yeah. but now you're about to make a decision to start life in another country Yeah, for the it rest was, of your life. It was hard. The hardest thing was to leave my family. Sure. Uh, I remember coming to Dolizy, that's the little town where they were, and trying to memorize everyone's face, like looking at them and saying, God, my father was sick. I didn't know if I will be able to see them again. And mm. just yeah. knowing the conditions and how everything was, that was, that was hard. And I was also excited sure. to get out of the country and come and be sure. with Craig. And they were mostly supportive of you too. Oh, to yes. As soon as I came, my father was like, Yes, the Lord showed me this. And I mean, they just, they prayed over me. And that was one of the, that, that was what gave me peace. I knew this is what God has for me and I can go. Yeah. Wow. But it did not lessen the fact that, sure. you know, I was leaving my family yeah. back home. Man. Yeah, that was hard. Wow. Whew, that's so good, man. And, and really, we just have scratched the surface. There's so much more in this yeah. book. Yeah. So if, if again, I highly mm -hmm. recommend it. So many good stories. I want to end with this uh, this little last thing that you guys wrote together. I okay. just want to read this in this book. It says, this book recounts, in fact, only a portion of what God has done in our lives. The miraculous and prophetic experiences told here are only a piece of our story. Yeah. Miracles are wonderful foretaste are a wonderful foretaste of the future kingdom, but they are merely a sample, sparks of the future. Mm. They are not meant to be a panacea for all the world's sufferings. Yeah. What goes deeper than miracles is the mystery of the cross, yeah. mm. that God can transform this harshest of tragedies this epitome of brutal human injustice mm -hmm. reminds us that he has a plan even in the heart of suffering. Yeah. Even the climax of the world's rebellion against him does not nullify his plan. Mm -hmm. If God can if God can be found even in the cross, indeed especially there, then we can trust God's plan for us in our own stories, even if they are filled with deep pain and brokenness. Mm -hmm. In light of the resurrection, the beginning of new creation, the cross reminds us that our pain is also God's pain mm -hmm. and that he is with us in this world and that hope in him transcends any present suffering. In Christ and by the Spirit, God really is with us. Mm -hmm. Wow. And I think that that rang out in this book and, and reminded of no no matter what we're going through and if you're listening and going through anything, man, that interactive relationship with God, we can know that God is with us in the yes. tough times and the high times. And yeah. and I know for me personally, when I look at stories like that, I'm like, I I haven't been through anything. <laughs> and mm -hmm. so I can handle this little stuff, you know, to, to see that God's grace was on you guys and that yeah. pretty much the most intense thing you could probably ever go through in, wow. in a string of events. So thank you so much you are welcome. for being with can us. Can I say one thing? Yes, sure. you can. I'm trying to re just, I'm, I'm picturing my father, hmm. uh, 
that our culture is like the culture in the Bible, some of it. Okay. And the idea that I have in mind is of the father running towards his son, mm. the one who went and wasted mm. everything. My dad would not run, really, unless he loves me. I mean, running mm. was like beneath a father. But that's what God, mm. that's who God is. Mm. He's running after us. Mm. And wherever you are, Open your heart and your mind and your soul, and He wants to bless you, give you a hug, and bring you home. Yeah. Wow. That's good. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank thanks you. so much. Thank you for joining us, Medine, and thank you for joining us on our first video podcast. Again, the book is Impossible Love by Medine and Craig Keener. You'll find a link in show notes. You can check it out there. We'd love to hear what you thought of yeah. our first video podcast, and so you can comment on YouTube. Or hit us up on Instagram and Twitter at FreeMindFM, on Facebook at FreeMindPodcast.fm, and you can email us at podcast at FreeMind.fm. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you next time.